0: Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak.
1: It's Sports Yak. This is episode 184 of the Sports Yak. Oh,
2: that's the Bob Watson episode.
1: Bob Watson. Bob
2: Watson, former Houston Astro and New York Yankee, hit 184 home runs in his 19-year big league career. He played for the Astros before they were stealing signs. He also, Corey... Scored the one millionth run in Major League Baseball history. I think it was around 1975 or somewhere in there. Baseball was like celebrating this whole who's going to score the one millionth run. And uh, I think Bob Watson hit a home run and literally sprinted around the bases so that he could score the one millionth run in Major League history. Family Broadcasting Corporation. in association with the Studio
0: DNA Podcast Network presents oh Sports Yak. Oh One host knows sports, and who's right there? the other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, Chuck Freebie.
1: Have, are you still befuddled, if that's, that's probably not the right word, of the stats that sports keeps? You rattled off one this morning that was like, someone sat down and figured that out, and it was the Derek Jeter stat.
2: Oh, oh, this is a great stat. Let, yeah, let's stay with baseball since Jeter went into the Hall of Fame yesterday along with Larry Walker. Baseball! Um, Derek Jeter, in his 20-year Major League career, Played one game, one game, where his team was not in playoff contention. That that to me is absolutely incredible. So, what's the math and, on how many games that is? Well, uh, let's say one hundred sixty-two year, one hundred sixty-two game season. Okay, times twenty years. That's uh, three thousand two hundred forty games, and. 3,239 of them, the Yankees were still in playoff contention. My goodness. The one game that he played when his team was not in playoff contention was the very last game that he played, and he still won it with a walk-off opposite field single to end his career. How about that? Do you think the person that did not
1: vote for him woke up this morning and went, Oops, when they found out it was one
2: vote. You know, I I have two ways of thinking on this. Because I really loathe the mob mentality that we have. Especially these days with social media. Yes. Where it's so easy to gang up on people. And now, I completely disagree with anybody's philosophy that says Derek Jeter is not a Hall of Famer. However, if somebody legitimately holds that opinion, they have the right to express it. Mm -hmm. And they have the right to express it without uh, this blanket condemnation by society. That said, I also question uh, the validity of somebody's baseball knowledge who believes that Derek Jeter was not a Hall of Famer. He has more hits than anybody who ever played shortstop. Um, The shortstop, by the way, did you know that uh, aside from pitcher, shortstop has the most people in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. More balls are hit to the shortstop than any other position, aside from a pitcher and, and perhaps a catcher. A shortstop has the most impact on a game. And to think of what the Yankees were during Derek Jeter's 20-year career, who had more of an impact on those Yankee teams than Derek Jeter? Mm. So, I got you. absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. And um, one vote short of unanimous, guess what? He's still going in. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether you're unanimous Hall of Famer or barely get in. Which barely get in is the story of Larry Walker. Larry Walker... In his first year on the Hall of Fame ballot, got about twenty percent of the vote. You need seventy five? You need seventy five percent to get in. Gradually built up. And, you know, these days in what they call sabermetrics and the different ways of looking at players, I think more people had an appreciation for the numbers that Larry Walker put up because Larry Walker played a good portion of his career in Colorado. And that field out in Colorado, Coors Field, it's a big field. The ball carries very well there. And a lot of people are able to put up good offensive numbers simply because they play at Coors Field. Well, they have ways now of taking what you did and putting it into, like, say, a neutral field and what your numbers would have been. And Larry Walker's numbers still would have been really, really good on a neutral field. Then they also have a stat called wins above replacement. And Corey, the the thought behind this is: how many wins is a single player responsible for? How how much better is he than the average player that would have played his position? Hmm. And I don't don't ask me about the mathematics or anything else that the formula that goes into figuring this out. Right. But in the last fifty years. Mm-hmm. There are only three other outfielders who have a higher wins above replacement than Larry Walker, and they're all in the Hall of Fame. So can you name them, Rain Man? I heard this yesterday while driving. One of them is Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr. One of them is Ricky Henderson, and I forget who the other one is. Okay. Uh, well, actually, Bonds is not in the Hall of Fame, but I think he's the third. Okay. Okay. And Bonds is not in the Hall of Fame because of the whole performance-enhancing drugs thing. Larry Walker was never implicated in the performance-enhancing drugs. So Larry Walker gets enough of the vote yesterday that he goes into the Hall of Fame. So the Hall of Fame class this year in Cooperstown in July will be Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, who was voted in by the Veterans Committee, former St. Louis Cardinal great, and Marvin Miller, who was the uh, the man who ran the Players Association for years and really saw uh, free agency take off under his guidance and really revolutionized how the game is done now. Ever been to Cooperstown? I have not, and that's on my bucket list. I have got to get there, and I've got to get there soon. And that's located? Cooperstown is in upstate New York. Okay. Is that a drive or is that a fly? I, it would probably have to be done as a drive. Okay. Yeah. But I, I need to get there.
1: Let's stick with baseball. you get got some Braves news here.
2: Well, uh, the Braves sign outfielder Marcelo Zuna, one year, $18 million. Uh, the Phillies sign reliever Drew Storen. And you'll notice the other line that I threw in there this morning. The Cubs still do nothing. We're, we're waiting. Now, I know Cubs management will say, "Well, we did do something. We we signed Chris Bryant to a one-year deal through arbitration. We've we've renewed contracts and things like that." And as we explained <laughs> a few yaks ago, uh, the Cubs are somewhat their hands are tied somewhat by their financial situation because they're fighting the luxury tax. And they're trying to get this new marquee network off the ground, and they've got a lot of irons in the fire. And how much they can actually sink into getting players is question. Um, but I do right now, as I look at the Chicago Cubs as they're currently composed, I don't see them winning the division this year. They might be a wild card contender but I don't see them winning the division.
1: The Cubs convention was this past weekend.
2: Yeah, and uh, the Ricketts family got roundly booed. Did they? Yeah. Uh, they also used this as kind of the launching pad of their marquee network. Um, Len and JD, the TV announcers, will be back. They talked about who the studio host would be and the field reporter and and the analysts, and they're bringing back some names like Lou Pinella and Dan Plesak and Guys like that, former Cubs, to to be studio analysts.
1: Is this a pay channel that I'm going to have to get?
2: It it's not supposed to be a pay channel. But the big question right now, Corey, is will Comcast pick it up, and will they pick it up by opening day? Okay. Right now, it's on AT and T. Oh, I have that. It's not on Comcast. Okay. Now. I say right now it's on AT&T. I don't think they start airing programming until mid-February. Okay. Uh, but uh, as an AT&T user, you'll have it. Uh-huh. As a Comcast user right now, I won't. And that may influence my decision in what I buy. That could be an
1: interesting payoff for radio. You know, if you want to be in on a Cubs game, right, you're going to have to go back to the olden days and listen on the radio, right? Well,
2: that that's a possibility, yes. Wow. I I think most people will... Are the broadcasts staying in the same spot? Which broadcast?
1: The Cubs broadcast. The radio broadcast?
2: Yeah, the radio broadcast will still be on 670. Okay. Yeah. That hasn't changed. Uh, it's the TV broadcast, which is why uh, uh, some... Uh, providers, I know Dish did this, I think DirecTV as well. They dumped NBC Sports Chicago because the Bulls and the Blackhawks just weren't enough to merit carrying that channel. Hmm. You know, when the Cubs were on it, oh, okay. But when the Cubs are off of it, suddenly the value of that channel drops precipitously. Isn't that interesting the,
1: of, of the properties? That is the one. Well, back in the 90s, it would have been a different team. (laughs) Right, right. Back in the 90s, you know, 10 years ago, maybe Blackhawks would have been the more powerful commodity. Mm -hmm. But right now, it's the Cubs who carry the day. Mm. Any word on the Bears? Kidding. (laughs) Kidding. Let's let's go back to last night in high school basketball.
2: This was one of the more amazing nights. It's a shame it was on a Tuesday, uh, and I can beat that dead horse until we're done, but... Uh, This was one of the more amazing nights of high school basketball that I can remember in quite some time. Um, To me, there were two marquee matchups going in, and uh, neither one disappointed. Culver Academy, Trey Galloway, Deontay Craig, Nick Hittle, Division I stars, uh, going up against Marion down at the Oliver Gym. Marion, I'll be honest, has surprised me a lot. I thought that losing Jaden Ivey to La Lemire would really hurt Marion. But they have played exceptionally well. They've got a freshman named Deglan Sullivan who helps them tremendously, uh, a senior point guard named Jerry Bracey who helps steady the team. And they play really good defense. And they had Culver Academy on the ropes in their own gym last night. But CMA is able to come back and win in overtime 59-54. So they, uh, they get credit for knocking off a fifth-ranked Marion team last night in Class 3A. Remember, Culver Academy this year, by the way, is Class 4A. They moved up because of the IHSA success factor. Okay. Uh, the other big game that I was keeping an eye on last night, Penn and Northridge. Penn goes over to Middlebury. They've got a 12-point lead in the third quarter and they let it slip away. Sam Smith with 15, Alex Stauffer with 13, including the game-winning basket, and Northridge comes back to win 57-55. And I really look for Scott Radiker's team to take off here down the stretch. They struggled early in the year, much as they did last year, but they're playing very good ball right now. They've beaten Warsaw. They've beaten Penn, and they may not be stopped until tournament time. They're, they're a force to be reckoned with. Brayton Rice hits the game-winning shot at the buzzer last night. Jimtown. I can't remember Jimtown having a basketball season this good in quite some time. They downed Goshen last night, 43-42. They'll face Riley on Friday night. Uh, Riley got 35 from Blake Wesley and still lost to Elkhart Memorial uh, by about 17 last night. Riley just doesn't have anything to go with Wesley and they don't play much defense.
1: Let's head north of the border where my Lakeshore Lancers are undefeated.
2: You know, Sean Schrader doing a great job, as Phil McDonald mentioned on the show the other day. Uh, they play terrific defense. They beat Edwardsburg, good good Edwardsburg team last night, 55-39. to 39. And then uh, the story of the night to me was up in Buchanan. The Bucks had not beaten St. Joe in about seven years. Chris Young goes off for 22, gets the game-winning shot. Buchanan down St. Joe, 46-44. So a nice bounce-back win for Reed McBeth's team after they lost to Brandywine on Friday night. And, uh, oh, by the way, Dowazsak last night absolutely pounded Cassopolis 77-41. Dowagiac has a big game with Marcellus on Friday night. That'll be one we talk about in our 46 Sports uh, social media preview later this week. On the girls' side. Couple of upsets. Uh, John Glenn had lost a tight one to Oregon Davis in the regular season. Last night, the by county tournament getting underway, and John Glenn beats Oregon Davis 65-62. Mercedes Rhodes of OD had 31 in that game. Jaden Worthington goes over a thousand points for her career, but it was Seja Lang who had 22 for the Falcons, so they move on to the semifinals of the by county. And then uh, an upset in Class 3A last night. Northwood went in over to Marion, ranked number 3. And Marion's fabulous freshman, Nevaeh Foster, scores 23 points. And the Knights prevail in that one, 45 That's a possible regional matchup as we go down the road in Class 3A. Uh, Marion's going to have to survive a very tough sectional, though, with South Bend, Washington, and South Bend, St. Joe. So that'll, that'll be interesting to see how that develops.
1: You mentioned this on your morning sports on our our morning show, but uh, it made uh, the big morning news video headlines of this uh, bench brawl between Kansas and Kansas State.
2: So Kansas is up by 21 late in the game, and there is a block shot in the final seconds of the game with some contact, and the bodies go sprawling along the baseline, and then people get up, and in their macho bravado, start jawing at each other. And these two schools who do not like each other anyway wind up in a bench clearing brawl. I'm pretty sure I saw a chair lifted up and swung WWE style. So you have to think some suspensions are coming out of this. The other question would be, so ESPN does a college game day for basketball. That's not nearly as popular as college game day for football, but they do one for basketball and they take it to locations. They are scheduled this weekend to go to Kansas for Tennessee at Kansas. The question being, how can you take that show to Kansas with this whole situation looming overhead? Because there's going to be suspensions that come out of this. And what's this Kansas team going to look like when they take the floor against Tennessee on Saturday?
1: So do you think it will be more of a news-type <laughs> situation than it is an actual game-day situation? Like, they're going to ride that wave?
2: Well, I I don't know how ESPN's going to handle it. It's possible they could try to move it to could another Just go school. somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. It's possible they could just sit in the studio that day, too. Okay. Um, but that, that was just – that's an embarrassment for college basketball. Quite frankly, I haven't – Dick Vitale said he hasn't seen anything – in basketball resembling that since that Pacers-Pistons brawl a few years ago called Malice at the Palace, mm. where Ron Artest went nutty in the stands. Really? That yeah. long? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk Big Ten. Ooh, Purdue. You're playing at home. You're playing at home. You're playing Illinois. Now, Illinois is ranked in the top 25, the number 21. But you're playing at home in the Big Ten. You're up at halftime. Crowd's going wacky at Mackey, as they tend to do. And in the second half, you come out and just lay an egg. Illinois just takes it to them and wins by 17 in Mackey Arena. And right now, I really have to question if Purdue's an NCAA team. I don't think they are. Hmm. I don't think they're an NCAA qualifier the way they're playing right now. So Illinois wins that one, 79-62. Rare road win in the Big Ten. Coming up Thursday night, Michigan State goes to Indiana and takes on the Hoosiers. So uh, begs the question. We know how many teams struggle to win on the road in the Big Ten. Michigan State, when they went into Mackey, got absolutely obliterated by Purdue. If if you asked me who's the better team, Michigan State or Indiana, I'd say Michigan State without question. But funny things happen when you go on the road. It's an 8.30 tip-off Thursday night on 103.1 FM. Can Indiana get a huge win for Archie Miller and his squad at Assembly Hall? They beat Ohio State earlier. I know the Buckeyes have faltered a little bit. But this is against the Big Ten leader, Michigan State. This is a huge game Thursday night. We'll have to see how the Hoosiers fare. Butler. Bulldogs got as high as number five in the polls earlier this year. Now they can't seem to win a Big East game. They get whipped. By Villanova, 7661 last night. Granted, the game was in Philly. Granted, Villanova's ranked higher than Butler, but you would expect that game to be a little bit closer. And also, uh, with Butler News, their former coach Todd Licklider, gonna take over now at Evansville. Walter McCarty had been called on the carpet for what they called Title IX issues. Um that could be just about anything. Oh. Uh it's it's some off-court misconduct, okay. probably directed towards a woman. Mm. And uh, that, would, that would be why it would be a Title IX issue. Okay, And finally, Evansville went ahead and fired him, and within a couple of hours, they hired Todd Licklider as the head coach. Licklider had a very good tenure at Butler, uh, moved on. It didn't work out for him as other school's. So now he's back as a head coach at Evansville. We'll have to see how he does with the Purple Aces.
1: Let's stay in our backyard, Chuck, with the Crossroads League.
2: This was a bit of a surprising margin last night. Not necessarily a surprising result that Bethel would win at home over number 6 Mount Vernon Nazarene. Uh, Steve Draven's team has been very good this year. They're in contention in the Crossroads League. But the fact that they beat the 6th-ranked team in Division Two by 34 points is somewhat shocking. Travion Cruz had 32 last night as Bethel beats Mount Vernon Nazarene 100-66. Great game down at the OCC in Winona Lake. Kyle Mangus, former Warsaw star, so you know a lot of people were in the house to see him make this homecoming. Grace is leading much of the night. And then Mangus, as he is prone to do, he is undoubtedly the best player in the Crossroads League. I have great respect for Travion Cruz. But Kyle Mangus, he was the league player of the year last year. He was the NAI Division II player of the year last year. So I don't have any quibble with saying he is the best player in the Crossroads League. And he showed it again last night. 35 points. Grace ties the game with about 7 seconds left. Mangus comes down. Dribble, dribble. Top of the key. Let it go. Let it fly. There's the winner. And... Indiana Wesleyan, Downs Grace, 87-85. Also, Spring Arbor over Goshen last night. Goshen has not won a game in the Crossroads League. They're having a miserable season, and they lost last night to Paul Merondette and Spring Arbor 78-51.
1: There was a really good Bethel player back in the day. He's now, a, I think, a student assistant coach for Mount Vernon Nazarene's first name's Caleb. Kind of the last name was hard to pronounce, Oechin? Oechin, yes. Oechin. Yes. I saw he's uh, on the sidelines for them last night.
2: Yeah. uh, It was interesting. Last night you had games where all three of our local teams were going against former standouts in the Northern Lakes Conference. Hmm. So Mount Vernon Nazarene has a young man from Plymouth named Clay Hilliard. Uh, Of course, we talked about Mangus for Indiana Wesleyan. And then I mentioned Paul Marindette for Spring Arbor, who played at Warsaw. So you had the three local teams all facing three local products. It was an interesting matchup last night. My thanks to Tony Miller for throwing out that stat at me yesterday. Quick glance at hockey! Well, this was interesting. Uh, Joel Quenville uh, was fired by the Blackhawks what, last year. And he is now the head coach of the Florida Panthers in the NHL. And so Florida came to the United Center last night, and it was Joel Quenville's first trip back to the United Center since being fired by the Blackhawks. I described it in the sports cast this morning as a raucous ovation. Remember, Joel Quinvel led the Chicago Blackhawks to not one, not two, but three Stanley Cups during his tenure. Do you know any other Blackhawks coaches who have won three Stanley Cups? I don't. That's because there haven't been any. And they fired him. They fired him because the team was underperforming, because the team roster has been poorly put together. And yet they fired the head coach for this. So Joel Quenville comes back to the United Center last night, and they have a sellout crowd, and they put together a little tribute video for him, as teams tend to do, and the crowd goes Nuts. And Q tears up on the Florida bench and thanks to the crowd and everything, waves to him, and then he sticks it to the Blackhawks. And Florida wins at 4-3. It was 4-1 at one point. Blackhawks battled back to make it a one-goal game. But Florida snaps the Blackhawks' five-game win streak, and now the All-Star break comes for NHL teams. So we'll see if the Blackhawks can build on some of the momentum that they had built up here at the close of the first half of the season, but good for Q. I'm glad the fans acknowledged him. I'm glad the fans understand the situation. I'm not sure Blackhawk management still understands the situation, but the fans do, and that's good.
1: I love that, that a guy, a former guy, walks in there and there's that kind of
2: reaction. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's the same when Derek Rose comes back and plays against the Bulls. Mm -hmm. Bulls fans love Derek Rose. And it wasn't his fault he got hurt. And that one you kind of understand a little bit more because the Bulls kind of said, we're not sure that you're the player that you were before you got hurt. We're going to let you go. Mm -hmm. And yet here's Derrick Rose still kicking and helping the Pistons. Might even help him get a playoff spot ahead of the Bulls in the NBA. We'll see. Finally, the Australian Open. Uh, Continues to roll along. There were some interesting matches last night. Uh, Coco Gauff, the 15-year-old phenom, wins again. Now, in the third round, she'll have to face Naomi Osaka, who I believe is either the third or the fourth seed overall. So this is going to be a huge challenge for Coco in round three. Serena Williams wins easily. Uh, Caroline Wozniacki, that's a name that tennis fans might be familiar with. She's won some Grand Slams. Uh, She won her second-round match last night, even though she's no longer a seeded player. She has said that this Australian Open will be her last tournament that she plays. She's going to retire after this. And so she stayed alive last night. And then on the men's side, round up the usual suspects, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. They all move along and uh, anticipate that they'll all be around for the semifinals.
1: This week in Australian Open history, John McEnroe
2: he gone,
1: ejected. Yeah. yeah, he was banned
2: from the Australian Open for which, a while.
1: Which I believe he was the first person to be mm-hmm. Yeah, banned and ejected.
2: It's interesting, though, that he's back there now as a commentator and uh, actually has uh, joined in the number of players who are contributing to the uh, fund to help with the uh, restoration after the bushfires down there.
1: Let's end with this. We were talking about last night being a great night of finishes. Yes. I'm going to put you on the spot with three sports. I will label them baseball, basketball, football. In your opinion, your favorite all-time finishes for those three sports.
2: Well, my favorite all-time finish in baseball is jaundiced by the team that I root for. So my favorite all-time finish in baseball is roller up the third base side, Bryant charges, throws to Rizzo, Cubs win the World Series. It doesn't get any better than that for me. Uh, your favorite baseball finish may be different than that. It could be a Joe Carter walk-off to win the World Series for the Blue Jays. It could be Mazeroski's walk-off homer to win the series for the Pirates in 60. Bobby Thompson, the Giants, win the pennant. All those are great. But for me, as a Cubs fan, it has to be them winning the series in November of 2016.
1: You're wrong on all counts. It was when the Bad News Bears gave back their second place trophy
2: and said, just wait till next year. Okay. Um, (laughs) Football, there have been uh, a lot of great finishes. The one that, when you broached the question to me, the one that immediately came to mind is the finish of the Cal Stanford game. The band is out on the field as Cal does many laterals and runs a kickoff back for a touchdown on the final play of the game and the crash into the trombone player. I'm not sure it can get any wilder than that. So that would be my my football. Okay. Finish. And then basketball, of all the great buzzer beaters, the one that really stands out to me, and I think it's because I heard Heard it on the radio before I saw it on TV. Okay. Is Jordan over Elo to beat the Cavaliers in the playoffs and really start that Bulls dynasty? And does Michael get away with a push-off with the one hand? Oh, more than likely, yes, but he's Michael Jordan. And he hits the shot, and the Bulls win, and just hearing Jim Durham and Johnny Red Kerr on the radio, call that game, and call that finish. Unbelievable ending to that game as a Bulls fan. And uh, I, I've i got some buddies who are Cleveland fans, Birchie, Shoal, Jofra, and uh, I know that they agonize over that <laughs> because that was a really good Cavs team with Craig Elo and Larry Nance and a bunch of other guys.
1: And we're just a few months away from what will hopefully be a great ESPN documentary
2: about the Bulls dynasty this summer. Yeah, that'll be fascinating to watch. I'm looking forward to it. Have you watched any of the Aaron Hernandez documentary on Netflix?
1: Uh, Funny you should say that. When I uh, turn on Netflix, that's the first thing that comes up on mine because I'm guessing algorithms, and they think, well, Corey likes sports and documentaries. I've not watched it yet, but I probably
2: will. It was the first thing that popped up on mine last night. But I watched a different documentary last night I went through, and on Amazon Prime, they have some of the old PBS American Experience documentaries. Okay. And I watched one on Jesse Owens last night. You familiar with Jesse Owens? I know the name. So, won four gold medals in the 1936 Olympics, African-American athlete running in front of Hitler, embarrassing Hitler and his ideas of Aryan supremacy. The greatest hour... Of sports, I think, in history. 1935, the Big Ten championships, track and field. Jesse Owens, who had injured his back the night before, slipping on an ice cube and falling. Hmm. So his coach is like, sit it out. It's not worth it. You know, everybody knows how good you are. He decides to run anyway. Not only does he win four events. Within the span of an hour at the Big Ten Championships, he sets four world records. (laughs) He sets four world records. And this is 1935, so we're on the cusp of this Berlin Olympics. Mm -hmm. And the documentary does a wonderful job of saying how that's when people in Germany started hearing about Jesse, as they called him, Ovens, because... That's how they pronounce W's over there. Okay. And you know, that was the first and the the sketch that was in the paper showed that he was dark-skinned. And so with all of this stuff about Hitler and Aryan supremacy in the air over in Berlin. And he, see, here's the thing. Berlin was granted the Olympics before Hitler came to power. So now Hitler comes to power and the Olympic Committee is like, "Oh, what are we going to do here?" Yeah. And um there was a guy named Avery Brundage who was part of the US Olympic Committee and ran the Amateur Athletic Union which had a lot of power at the time in the United States. Avery Brundage would go on to become the head of the International Olympic Committee. And the best thing I can say about Avery Brundage is is he was a jack wagon. I mean, he absolute piece of work. And they send Avery Brundage over to Germany to say to see, you know, should we boycott the Olympic games? Mhm. He's like, "Oh no. Everything's fine. Everything's fine." You know, and if you don't like it, you should just shut up. So they send the US Olympic team over there on a boat. Um and there's African Americans, there's Jewish people on the US Olympic team, and they're all getting together fine. They go over to Germany and they get off the boat and their swastika is right there with the Olympic banners. And at that time, nineteen thirty six, there had been talk about uh how the Nazis felt about Jews, but you know, we hadn't gone through the concentration camps yet or anything like that. And the Nazis were doing a pretty good job, and the German media were doing a pretty good job of of keeping things under wraps while the Olympics were going on. Okay. Not promoting all the stuff that they were doing. So Owens has won three Olympic gold medals, and he's supposedly done for the Olympics. And he gets a call that they want him to run in the 4x100 relay. And he's like, they want him and Ralph Metcalf, who is also African-American, to run in this relay. And he's like, why? We got got Marty and Sam, and they're all set to go. Marty Glickman, who wound up being a terrific play-by-play guy in the United States, terrific sportscaster, was an outstanding sprinter at the time. Well, he was Jewish, and the Nazis had come to the U.S. and said— you can't have any jews run in this race and brundage the jack wagon that he is capitulated and the nazis had said we'd rather we'd rather lose to african americans than lose to jews so the us pulled the two jewish runners out of the race marty and sam and they put in owens and metcalf and owens to the day he died said he always felt bad for Marty Glickman that he got stunned in this yeah. and that Jesse Owens's fourth gold medal really should have been Marty Glickman's gold medal. Hmm. But it was a, a fascinating documentary. If you ever have a chance to watch stuff on Jesse Owens, here's the other sad part, and this tells you what it was like to be an African-American at the time when Ohio State's winning these Big Ten championships and Jesse Owens is a big a track and field star as there is in the U.S. and a, and a big celebrity. Um, he can't stay on campus at Ohio State because he's African American. He comes back from winning four gold medals in the Olympics. He's the most celebrated athlete in America. He takes his family into New York. They couldn't find a hotel to stay at because they're African American.
1: Crazy.
2: I mean... It it's here we are in 2020, many many years later. It's difficult for people like you and I to fathom. Yeah, I'm sure that there are people who are African American that listen to this podcast say, "Has it changed all that much?"
1: Mm.
2: Hopefully, it has. Um, But I can't I can't imagine I can't imagine what it was like for Jesse Owens during that time. He was really. He was really Jackie Robinson before Jackie Robinson came onto the scene. All
1: right, I get that. I got the Prime. I'll check that out. That's good stuff.
2: There you go. Man, I love a good documentary.
1: Yeah. And I love me a good Chuck telling me about the documentary.
2: Well, hopefully I didn't (laughs) spoil it for all of you. There's other good stuff in there, too.
1: Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you feel like leaving a review, that helps as well. Chuck, you're on Twitter, right? I am at 46sports. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga-looga, Bob Watson. We've had some fun, yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run, it's
0: Sports Jack! Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live
1: studio audience. We done. Everybody get out of here, there's a lobster loose. Oh, holy cow, he's loose.
0: You've been listening to Sports Yak with Chuck Freeby yeah. and Corey Mann as himself. Hey, hey. Produced by Corey Mann. The Sports Yak theme song by Rhett Walker. Production elements and voiceovers by AudibleGenesis.com. Engineered by Phil Souza. Executive producer is Danae Hughes. In partnership with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Interested in your own podcast? Contact Danae at Danae at StudioDNA.media. lot. archives
2: available on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com.